Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. And welcome to the In Between the Gray. It's your host, Enna. Yay! Unfortunately, Melinda is not able to be here today, but I have my old faithful, Elizabeth Felton. Hi, guys. How are you doing today, Liz? I'm doing good. How are you? Pretty good. So are you excited about today's show? Yes, I am. <laughs> well, we have a special guest today. We have Stoney Snyder, who is a licensed cosmetologist for the past seven years. Hey, Stoney, how are you doing? Doing good. Just enjoying the night air, enjoying the time being here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. So are you guys ready to jump into our juicy topics today? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, and that I know that you have a lot of expertise being a cosmetologist is one, boob hair, nipple hair, nipple hair. hair, nipple hair, all of the all hair, of the hair, the hair in this region right here. Do you know why we get nipple boob hair? A lot of it has to do with biology and a lot of it has to do with what's going on with the body. It can be medication. It can be something as simple as PCOS. It can be as something as a genetic hormonal imbalance. 
Um, it can also stem from your heritage, you know, something that you're, you know, you're, you are inclined to be born with. I know that certain regions around the world, um, you could also say like Armenians have a lot of body hair. Mm -hmm. Um, even like, uh, Hispanic cultures have a lot of body hair. Um, they all, they all exude these types of, you know, erogenous area hairs that we all have to fucking live with now. And then we, people like me, make a job in removing it. So that's a great thing. So at least there's, you know, some solutions to it. That has to be really painful, though, just to, because I'm thinking the nipple is such a sensitive area. It is a sensitive area, yeah. It, it, can be a, it, it can be quite of a process, a little, a little traumatic if you're not experienced in getting your body waxed. Um, but the pain is... It, it is minimal with a great professional. It can be as minimal as um, getting, you know, like regular tape pulled off your body. You know, it shouldn't be as, it shouldn't be more painful than getting like tape pulled off your body with a little bit of hair on it. It shouldn't be too bad at all. So is so it really close to, oh, I'm sorry, Anna. So is it very close to like a Brazilian? Um, well, getting your nipples waxed is nowhere near as sensitive as getting a Brazilian because with the Brazilian, you have a lot more nerve endings in and around that area um just because of uh it is a sexual organ and all sexual all sexual organs have a lot more nerve endings in them so that can be a little bit more painful than getting your nipples waxed or even like your armpits waxed because mm -hmm. armpits are another sensitive area um but it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be no more painful than a brazilian hmm. Ooh, that's, that's nice to know okay so do people anesthetize like like, you know, they have topical anesthetics and things like that. Unfortunately, that is a medical procedure to do. Um, a lot of places do not have uh, topical ointments they can put on the body because the ointment is going to be oily. It's going to have an emollient in there. So it's going to prevent a lot of the waxing procedure to be done. So the hair won't grab from the wax. And also only a medical professional can have access to things like Novocaine or something like that to help numb the area. So unfortunately it has to be done raw dog. Okay, cause I bought a numbing cream that you mm -hmm. can put on and it absorbs through the skin. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to get nipple hair removal or a Brazilian, mm -hmm. would that would just like defeat the purpose? I mean, it would help me, but it would defeat the purpose is what you're saying um, in getting the wax so it won't adhere to my skin as well? Yeah, it won't adhere to the skin as well. What they'll typically tell you to do is have fresh, clean skin with no lotion or any other type of ointment on the area because what we need to do is we need to dry out the area first and foremost with a type of powder solution. Usually it's like some talcum powder, basic baby powder. And we'll powder that area to get it as dry as possible before we start with the, the initial wax. That is scary. I know. I'd be afraid for how often to get, you have to get a Brazilian. I have never had one before. You've never well, had a Brazilian? <laughs> it depends. How often you get it done depends on your own biology. The, the, the limit, the minimal limit that you should wait is three weeks to get a, uh, any kind of waxing done is three weeks. Um, the reason why is there, um, because it's a waxing procedure, there is always going to be some kind of minute trauma to the skin. 
um, and you don't want to further irritate or exacerbate any other concerns or conditions on the skin. So three weeks should be good. And it also gives you enough time for hair to grow back to a quality length that you're going to need it to be in order for that wax to grab hold of the hair and to pull it out. Um, so three weeks is the minimum. I know for me, um, when I get my legs waxed, my hair will come back within a, a week and a half. <gasps> wow. Wow. I haven't shaved in like a year. Good for you. Oh, I yeah. No seriously. Yeah, so no. how, how often do men get, because Frankie had said um, Brazilian sounds like it hurts. Like how many men do Brazilian wax compared to women? Um, I'd say there's a growing number in Brazil. They call it manzillion, uh, which I think is a little Whoa. funny. Yeah, they call it a manzillion now. Um, but there's a growing number and it's actually quite popular in the, uh, the fitness, aspect of of men um also in the gay community the lgbtqia community is they're really getting into the brazilians models get uh the manzillion um i've heard even swimmers get the manzillion but a lot of the people that i've worked on were either um in the athletic field or wanting to do just some personal private care with themselves yeah. so would you have to shave i mean do you no. trim it first? You leave it. You long? can trim if the hair is at a uh, too. You don't want the hair to be too long. It's supposed to be no longer than a grain of rice. That's not like it's 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 not a technical length or a technical term to describe a length. It's not like an, an actual like inch. I want to say it's about like three or four millimeters long is the good length for a hair to be pulled. Um, but I would say, yes, if the hair is a little on the longer side, someone like me would go ahead, trim it down a little bit because the more hair, the, the longer the hair is, the less tension that you have on pulling the hair out. So you run risk of the hair actually breaking off rather than coming out through the coming out of the follicle, pulling the ball up completely. Oh, so now that we're talking about Brazilians, how about anal? Like as far as waxing, waxing your ass, like uh -huh. how many, how, how do, like what position? I'm so curious. Haven't done that either. I've used like Nair and stuff like that, but that stuff burns. Um, yeah. and you shouldn't use Nair on your ass. <laughs> I don't put it on my asshole. I just put it around. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, oh, look, I prefer to shave over wax. Yeah. But shaving, you get bumps, don't you? Shaving of getting bumps. Okay, so like, what do people do? Like, explain to me the procedure. I'm going in, and I'm gonna have you wax my hair on my uh -huh. ass. Do I just lay down? Do I? Am I all fours? Are my legs spread barred in the front? What? Frog leg positioned. Um, sure. <laughs> um, one of the things well, one of the things that we do have you do is get into a position that is most easier for the waxer. So we'll have you on all fours, um, chin to the table, ass up. Oh, doggy style. Yeah, doggy style. And then Face you just, down, ass up. <laughs> 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 you just go ahead and slap and then you get work done. But yeah, we'll have you on all fours and then have your, you know, resting your head comfortably on the table. You know, you can go ahead, put your hands up near your face if it makes you feel more comfortable. But the whole process 
I mean, it feels a little embarrassing. Your ass is open up for everyone to see. You know, hopefully you showered. You know. Ooh, ooh, have you ever how many... had that experience? Yes, yes. And I've also had people who have not wiped completely. Oh, oh, but I hear that waxing your waxing your ass though, they don't fart. Is that true? No, some people do fart. Really? Yeah, because they're they're tensing up yes, and a lot of that tension in their in their gut, and then you pull and then you go, you know, just just <laughs> It's just a little, a little kind of like giving birth, you know, you give a little yeah. shit here and there. Yeah, just a little, you know, kind of like blowing you a kiss, you know, kind of like a thank you. <laughs> so when people get this done, like on a normal basis, mm -hmm. um, like, of course, like your face, it's not as sensitive, correct? You build up that, in you know, not endurance, so but what you don't really build up a tolerance to the pain, but the pain does get easier just because the more that you wax, the finer the hair grows back and the less deep the hair grows. Um, for men and women, hair does grow deep in different ways, uh, in, in different depths. And it's just biology. Unfortunately, we can't, you know, we can't escape it. Um, women's hair grows a lot less deeper than men's hair is. And then women's hair is a lot finer than men's hair is men's hair is a lot more coarser. So with women, it's a fine, shallow hair growth. With men, it's a deeper, coarser hair growth. So with women, they're gonna experience a lot less pain. Men may experience more pain and maybe some bleeding from the follicle. Um, but the more that you get it done, the thinner and finer the hair grows back and the easier it is to be removed. So there's a lot less pain the more often that you do it because there's a lot less of a deeper follicle that has you know, a deeper bulb that needs to be pulled out. So what are the risks um, as far as you get these bumps with STDs and things like that? So with these risks, a lot of people um, will can experience a lot of different issues when it comes with waxing. And it's just fairly common to get ingrown hairs. And that comes from not exfoliating enough or not having a better cleanser to clear out the pores. Um, you can get ingrown hairs and a lot of the times ingrown hairs can look like an STD. Now being a cosmetologist, I am in no way, shape or form able to diagnose or um, provide uh, medical information on whether or not you may or may not have an STD. Um, if you feel like you do have an STD or you feel like you have a concern about an STD, it's always good to provide, you, you know, some, if, get, get yourself some information from a medical professional. And then whoever that medical pro professional may be in your life, that's who you should be talking to. But a lot of the times waxing, you will get ingrown hairs. Um, it can be one bump. It can be two. They could be clustered because of a certain area that had bacteria that had gotten into the follicles of the of the body that has created these um, bumps or lesions. You want to make sure that um, you get checked out by a medical professional again if you feel like you have an STD. But uh, a lot of the root causes of these bumps are from blocked pores, um, not exfoliating enough, getting sebum clogged into these pores, and preventing the hair from growing out. Um, Nine times out of 10, if you are getting bumps and it is post-wax, it's if, it, if you, are you starting to see these bumps between two to three weeks after your wax, then you, you should probably be all right knowing that it's an ingrown hair. Um, okay. a, way to, a way to check at it is, you know, get a mirror, 
squat down, take a look at it. If it's, if it's a large red bump, if it's raised, if it has a white head, you know, try using some at home uh, topical ointments, um, witch hazel, calendula, um, rose hip oil, you know, something to help moisturize and also to help shrink um, that pustule. If it doesn't shrink, maybe go seek another medical professional help to see what you can do to help um, prevent any scarring or any further infection from the, the, the pustule. Okay. That's good to know. Chuchi, you going to go get yours done? I, I, I recently, I do it all the time. <laughs> so I'm the only Harry 70 porn. <laughs> I'm the only 70s porn. Oh my God. Okay. That's okay. I'm a 70s porn on myself. I like to say if there's no, if there's no grass in the field, you can't play ball. <laughs> I like no, that. I just, I, I just like the feeling of it. So yeah. So I, I, I actually had mine's done. COVID, COVID did stop me from getting it done as often. So it had been about two years and I went recently and I was like, Ooh, this is why we don't shave. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you know what? I want to, I want to get my ass done. I don't know if I really want a Brazilian up in the front. I could probably do maybe you got to do the whole thing. If you're going to do it, just do the whole thing. And you know what, yeah. if you're, if you're comfortable, just talk the whole time. You have kids, everybody's seen your vagina. You're fine. Everybody see my vagina. Oh, that's yeah, true. You have babies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And my boobs and my nipple hair. There you go. I think so, that I don't have that there. When did you start getting nipple hair? Because this is genetics, isn't it? Yes. When am, am I literally effed? Tell me. <laughs> I used to get long ones before I had my breast reduction, but they would never hurt and they were always on the side. And I noticed that when my sugar was high, that that's when I would get. I would get more hairs as, especially now that I've lost so much weight, I very rarely get every once in a while, I'll get a stray. So Danny's asking about bleaching your a-hole. <laughs> so <laughs> considering that we're getting all groomed down there mm -hmm. and everywhere, we're going to get the Brazilian. How many people do anal bleaching? Actually, quite a lot of people get anal bleaching. Um, what happens is, is that there's, so the reason why we get a darker asshole is because of the chafing, um, dead skin cells, um, the tannins from feces stain the skin. Um, but it's mostly, it's mostly the chafing. So with bleaching, it provides a solution to brighten the area. It doesn't completely whiten. It doesn't complete. It, it turns from, I'll be honest, I have a brown asshole for as pale as I am. And it's embarrassing. So getting anal bleaching is definitely for me. Um, so what do you recommend? Which one do you recommend? <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot of good anal bleaching. There's uh, a lot of the bleaching that you that you would find at home take too long, in my opinion, to show any kind of real results. Usually, if you do at home bleachings, they're gonna you'll start seeing results within like um, maybe six months. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So with uh, salon bleachings, they're not gonna tell you the product's name, not unless you ask for the product's name, and they all use different products. Um, but typically, you'll see some some results within at least three months if you're if you're current with it if you keep up with it 
Um, but they will tell you that you have to, um, you can't wear thongs because thongs will chafe um, in that area, causing the, the concerned areas to get more darker. You have to wear cotton underwear. It has to be able to breathe. Mm, um, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, they, uh, I've also heard recommendations of, of switching from toilet paper to wet wipes. So there's less friction. Oh yeah. So, sh I mean, cause at work we use cheap toilet paper or you Ooh. go out to public, they use cheap toilet paper. Can yeah. you use Clorox bleach on your ass? No. Man, I wish. I wish it was <laughs> sitting in a bottle of Clorox bleach. <laughs> if you want to burn your ass and everything in between your balls yes, and you'll <laughs> shrivel up. <laughs> That's so funny. I know Frank had said earlier that uh, nipple hair was a turnoff that, uh, sucking on a what was it imagine suck you have floss what don't even you know what i mean <laughs> while you're there you can you can floss clean your teeth it's it's hygienic no who who minds little who minds a little hair anyways when you go down on a guy and you give him a blowjob i mean eventually you're gonna pull some hair out anyways because they're not all shaven you know what i mean <laughs> oh being in the dental field, let me tell you, I've seen people with little pieces of shape. No hair. way. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Like when I'm flossing and we're doing crowns, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, are you freaking serious? And then I got into the habit of, because you know, when you do that, the back of your throat, you get hickeys on your soft palate. So, yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> So if you go to a dental office, do not, do not give a blowjob before you go for a cleaning. Oh you get God, in a you should have told me this last week. <laughs> Did you already go? It's, and it depends on, some people only suck a little bit and they get little, little hickeys. And there's some people that will get hickeys like all the way across. Oh yeah, I'm fully committed. So I'm I'm probably all bruised and battered. <laughs> if you're gonna do it, do it right, you're right? Do it, you're gonna do it half us, right? Exactly. Right. At least I'll oh, be like, God. ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that's a half ass. I feel sorry for your oh, person. Yeah. I and trust me, like I'm all sorts of messed up too, like the inside of my upper lip, bottom lip from curling my my lips over my teeth, making sure I don't gra like, drag any teeth. Right. You know. A dentist is going to be like, wow, you're a professional. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> I do my job. Oh, hey, it used to be my favorite thing when I was younger. So, because yeah. that was good. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, H shouldn't stop you. No. So, <laughs> but yeah, anal bleaching has gotten really common. Um, well, it started initially in the porn industry where um, men and women that were going to be on camera would get bleaching so it would look and appeal a lot more, you know. More viewers, like younger, not so yeah. used. Right. Um, now it's kind of, it, it started bleeding out all over California and then now it's starting to become um, like a coast to coast kind of thing. People are starting to like, oh, you know, I want to get my anal bleach. And um, it's opened up a whole world of, you know, new type of self-care um, with bleaching and also with waxing. Um, and then, um, you know, it, it all kind of started off with women and now men are doing it. So like it, the, the world of, of self-care is just opening up to a lot of different people. And it's good to take care of yourself. It's good to like 
feel good about yourself. You know, if, if you feel unhappy with your asshole color, go ahead and get a bleach. That's what I'm going to do because I'm tired of my asshole looking darker than the rest of my skin tone. You know what I mean? That's how they know you're Hispanic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, right? What's the so, price range? Of, of, of yeah, price what's the price range? So the price range varies. On average, um, I've seen anal bleaching go for as much as like as little as eighty nine dollars. Wow, for anal bleaching? Yes. Makes Absolutely. me want to buy some myself. I don't know. Danny may have a good no, idea. No, it's saying like go get it done professionally though, right? That's what you would right. recommend. Yeah. Right. Because if you do it at home, it could take up to six months. Who got six months to get their asshole whitened? But oh. I've seen the most of it go for at least three hundred and fifty to maybe like four hundred and fifty dollars. It, it can be very pricey. Um, it really just depends on what, like what salon you go to, what kind of um, what kind of different bleach styles they offer, um, and what kind of professional is performing it. Um, I know like in my, in the salons that I've worked at, um, they'll have like a cast of different people. Um, like, see, like this person's been, you know, like this is a master waxer. This one is an intermediate waxer, or this is like a master esthetician, or this is, um, just a designer esthetician. It really depends on certain places. It depends on what level of person that you're getting your waxing done by. Um, that can change the price. I know like in one salon that I worked at, um, even with hairstylists, like a, like an Ulta, um, there's D1 designers, D2 designers, D3, master and elite stylists. And they all have different price ranges of um, how they do your hair. It, it can also be the same thing for estheticians at, um, at waxing parlors or beauty spas where they all have different price range. So it really depends on A, who you go to, B, what kind of products they use, and see the type of spa that you're at. Um, certain spas, like you said, have, um, I've seen to have like a minimum of $89. Um, and then I've seen spas that have $350 for anal bleaching. So you really have to do your research of where you want to get your bleaching done and how committed you are of wanting to get it done. Mm, so it's either, oh, wow, that's so interesting. Well, you guys... I wanted to let everybody know real quick um, that In Between the Gray is brought to you by Clovercrest Media Group. We're going to go to a quick commercial and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Joe Aguirre. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com. Welcome back. I am so glad you guys are here. Um, so, okay, so now that we've talked about anal bleaching, getting waxed, Brazilian, get my asshole, like makes me want to go into the topic of exploring sex. If I'm getting all sexified and everything, feeling good, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, um, go on and appreciate yourself. Have someone else appreciate it for you. 
so give me some, I don't know. I mean, we're all eight different age groups. So right. I, I mean, I'd like to hear about like exploring sex in my days was going, doing it in the car, you know, mm-hmm. um, chat lines, meeting up with people, not like dating it's now. It's kind of the same way. It really, really is. Um, sex, I feel like now is a lot more, um, it's, it's a, it's a lot more, it's a lot more demystified first and foremost. Um, there's so many, there's so much conversations now about sex and sexual identity that sex is not something that's supposed to be scary anymore because back in the day, sex was something that was considered dirty or, yes. or, or, or sick or something, you know, and so sex wasn't very, you know, it wasn't talked about. It was very, very underground. It was, you had sex with your husband, you had sex with your wife, you had sex to have kids and that was it. You know, anything outside of that was considered taboo. Well, now in this day and age, sex is not as taboo anymore because sex is on tap. You can get sex on all sorts of, you know, wonderful apps on your phone. You can get sex all over on the internet, you know, through porn, through websites, through chat sites, through dating profiles. I mean, the sky's the limit for sex. So sex is not as um, as hard to get as it used to be. And people have sex everywhere. People have sex in the car. I've had sex at Walmart. <laughs> what? Where? 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 In the dressing room? No, in the aisle. What? what? How did you manage to do that? Give well, us the three, details. It was three in the morning. And I... So how I picked up this guy was not even wasn't even my date. I was using the bathroom and this was at a friend's house and he came and he's like, Oh, I'm all drunk. I got to take a leak. And I'm like, well, the toilet's right there. So he like takes the leak and he, you know, he's like, man, I wish I could have my dick sucked. And I'm like, well, I could do it for you. So then I went and did it. And then the girl comes in. She's like, that's supposed to be my boyfriend. You need to leave. I'm like, okay, I'll leave. But long story short, um, he took me to Walmart and he couldn't keep his hands off me. And then he ended up putting like pulling my pants down in the middle of an aisle while we're shopping for food. And then he just like licked it and sticked it and called it a day. Wow. And we went up and down like the chip aisle. We, we took a left and, and then we <laughs> fucked up and down the drink aisle. And then we took a right. And then we, we fucked all throughout produce. Like it was wild and no one was there. And no one stopped That's us. That's crazy. Oh, but you know they have cameras everywhere. Somebody is watching it going, somebody oh watching my it. God, somebody it's got that good. Somewhere. It is posted somewhere. And this was like, I I couldn't have been no more than like 19 or 20 years old. I'm 31 now. So this was years ago. Oh, so there probably wasn't that much. You got saved because it wasn't that much social media. and Yeah, there was not a lot of social media. There wasn't a lot of TikToks. I mean, I've also had sex in like movie theaters. I mean, I've had, yeah, I've had sex in movie theaters, had sex in cars, had sex in parking lots, you know. I, I once had sex in a closed-down store. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was. I was with the manager, and the manager's like, hey, do you want to come over? I'm closing the store, and there's no one here. And I was like, okay, fuck me on the coolers. Oh, yeah. So that's what we did. He took me over, and it was, it was what is it called? It was like um, a North Face store or something like that. And he like put me on the top of like the North Face coolers. My legs roll open and waving back and forth and everything. 
It was very <laughs> awesome. The fitting room? Yeah, the fitting room in the middle of the street. Frank hits it in the middle of the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Roadhead. Lots of dirt experience roads. with Roadhead. Huh? Ooh, I said dirt roads. Oh, dirt roads. <laughs> Gotta live out in the country. <laughs> Gotta live out in the country. Oh, I wish Melinda were here because there's a good story that sh I want her to tell. Uh, about what it Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got but, a surprise. But sex is, fun. sex is something that shouldn't be afraid of. Sex should always be talked about. I feel like, you know, I grew up talking about um, sex with my mom all the time. We used to watch real sex on HBO together, you know, just like eating dinner because it's real sex is an HBO show and it's not, it's not like a porn show. But it's like an education on sex mm -hmm. and different types of sex. And so there at a young age, I got exposed to a lot of different facets of sex and how people get into it, how people discover it, and then how people enjoy it. Um, and I feel like in this day and age, there are so many people that are open to the idea of sex. that They also have so many different types of fetishes. And I feel like that's very interesting because fetishes are all very psychological and it kind of gives you an idea of like what kind of a, you know, what type of person are into certain, you know, avenues of sex or different avenues of fetishes. And it, it makes it less scary because you're like, oh, this is an average person. They're not some scary, you know, they're, they're not this pedophile or anything like that. Pedophile. Yeah. They're, they don't live in some kind of weird dungeon with chains everywhere. Although I've seen a dungeon with chains everywhere, but um, you know they're just they're they're just just average people, just normal squirrel trying to get a nut. Nice. That's yeah. I mean, your mom actually, your grandma was the one. She had us watching Blue Lagoon when we were real little, and that's when we uh -huh. learned about about periods. And then she had the baby on Blue Lagoon. That's when we learned about having babies. Oh my God! And I'll never forget your mom and her twin sister telling me about the Barbie dolls that you could only get in Texas that would get pregnant and the baby would grow in the belly and it uh -huh. would actually give birth. So we went to Texas and I had told my dad, I wanted the doll that got pregnant. He thought I was crazy yeah, because he had never seen a Barbie doll that got pregnant. That is so funny. Yeah. My mom we had a, a Barbie doll that she showed me that had the, she was the pregnant Barbie. She had the, the, the baby that you would put into uh -huh. the womb and then I she the pregnant belly and then there was a flat tummy that you can put on it and that way she can carry the baby around it was really cool but That's it is the, important yeah, what but, you're saying yeah to speak about sex and be open about it why not it's something right. natural yeah it's yeah. something that we all do it's 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 an adult thing it's a human thing it's and we're, i mean in the end we're all animals and like they say in the song do it like they do in discovery channel you know just enjoy it enjoy life but so, um I know you don't have kids right now, but when you do decide to have children, mm -hmm. like how would you, how would you explain it? Or when would you, cause I know when Christian was little, he, he was probably only two years old and he was pinching it and he's like, look, mom, it grows. And I'm like, um, okay. Um, maybe you should do that in your room. You know, yeah. uh, don't, don't, 
you know, I didn't want him to think it was bad, but it's like, how would you have handled that situation? Um, that's actually a really great question because I was, I was a very early bloomer with self-discovery and my mom actually pulled me over to the side and she's like, this is what's going on with your body. This is what's going to happen. And then this is how you take care of it while you are in your own private area. So I learned about masturbation because I learned about masturbation at an early age because I just couldn't stop touching myself. I really, really couldn't, you know, so I feel like I would do the same thing. You know, if they're, if they're old enough to have that kind of conversation and to understand that kind of language that you're trying to use for them and making it as simple enough for a child to understand, I, that's how I would, I would probably wait until like maybe like four or five that way, you know, they have, they have some good conversation skills and then, you know, kind of break things down. And I would get a book the same way that my aunt Liz had gotten a book um, for my cousins and read it to them and break things down. So it's a lot more easier for them to understand that way they know what they're doing isn't wrong. What's going on with their body isn't wrong. And that it's completely normal and healthy thing to do to explore your body that way. So Liz, you have, you have girls. Have you had any conversations with your daughters about touching themselves or have they asked you any questions? No, they haven't. I mean, I'm very open when it comes to, you know, at a very, very young age, I started, you know, telling them, you know, no one touches your, no one touches your vagina. No one, you know, I made it clear because, you know, unfortunately we do live in a scary world. So I just wanted to make sure that they were aware of their body mm-hmm. and what was appropriate in an, you know, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, but no, they're eight and five. So I haven't had any, I haven't had that discussion yet. Um, you know, they have, they, they do ask why do I wear diapers? So yeah. I had to, uh, you know, explain, you know, you know, my nephew yeah. thought it was a box of crayons. You know. Oh, how funny. Christian gave me a Band-Aid one time when he was little because I was <laughs> bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. So Preston, if you, I mean, Stoney, if you had a daughter and around the same age, would you say you would treat the daughter the same you that you would your son or do oh, you absolutely. think there's still a, okay yeah absolutely um i think choose i mean you could i i personally would choose the time i i don't know if i would wait for an awakening um like a sexual awakening just because you want again like what liz said you want them to be aware of your body before someone else makes them aware because we do live in a scary world and there's always that there's going to be a person out there that you can't stop. that's going to do something to them. And you want to give them some kind of reference of what can happen before it happens. That way they can have the opportunity to say, no, stop, don't do that. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. be able to fight back and at least try to get away from the situation before it escalates too quickly. Um, you know, my mom was very open about that. She she told us a lot about her experiences from a young age because she had experiences at a young age um, with rape. And she wanted my sister, my she told my sister at a young age of like, this is what can happen. This is what your body does. This is what um, people will do to your body if you're not careful. 
And my sister, you know, grasped it. She understood it and she, she learned from it. And, you know, she's completely well-rounded today. You know, she's got her own kids. She's got her own family. She has, you know, she's not, um, she's not scared about sex. She's actually very good with sex. She's very open with sex. And I'm actually really proud because I always thought my sister was going to be a prude. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> But but it is but it is true what you're saying. You know, you never know the right age, but I wanted to expose them at a very, very young age. It's funny because I actually have videos of my little one at two or three, like two or three, and saying, No one touches your private, no one touches your private. But you know, obviously I do explain to them, you know, their body parts so they understand and they're comfortable in it. And you know, mm -hmm. some of us are gonna have big breasts, some may have little breasts, we have big butts, you know, just make sure they're comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's like Ariana when she was little. I took mom and it came up on my feed on Facebook where I had taken mom to go get some bras from JCPenney's. Ariana was probably about two or three years old. She had to be three and she went to the bras and she told the lady, I want this one. It was a blue bra and it was like a double D. And the, the sales lady said, well, I think that one's too big. And she's like, no, I like blue and I'm going to have big boobies. <laughs> I like big boobies. And now that she has big boobies, she doesn't want the big boobies. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we touched a little bit about fetishes. Like uh -huh. what are like some of the new fetishes that, that I heard about? Um, well, you have your old school fetishes like BDSM, bondage, feet fetish, um, latex, but then you have some of the new ones like, uh, there is the fetish of furries. Um, there are balloon fetishes. There are, um, different types of food fetishes. There's the fetish of watching people eat. Um, there is also fetishes with, um, like those mukbang? Yeah. That's a that's a type of fetish all on its own. Also, ASMR is the type of fetish too. That that stuff makes a lot of money though. It makes <laughs> like a the lot foot of fetish. Money. Yeah, like the I would so do an OnlyFans with my uh -huh. feet. <laughs> that makes a lot of money. It makes a lot of money. I've made money doing bondage. Hmm. Yeah. Made, you really? can I up to like three hundred dollars a session with one person oh, and if really? you can get yeah if you can get um at least i think a comfortable a comfortable month would be about four guys about four four different men you get a clientele of four men and you see them once every two weeks um and every two weeks they pay between 200 to 300 dollars and so what's 300 dollars times four you know that is that's what, $1, like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. And what's that times two? That's that's twenty four. Yeah, twenty four hundred. So that's twenty four hundred dollars that you make a month. Okay, so give us the deets. What do you do? Like, what do you do with these clients? Like, what what does bondage consist of? Is it just tying them up, spanking them, or is it actually like starting from the beginning? and ending up having sex with them? Um, so cool thing, bondage does not always have to end with sex. Um, sometimes it has very little to do with sex. 
Um, a lot of it is being under control uh, by the dominant or um, being manipulated in a way physically or psychologically, allowing yourself to give yourself over to another person. Um, there is a big relationship. It's a huge relationship, actually, because there are there are so many different type of contractual uh, needs that need to be met. There is a long conversation that needs to be met before you do anything. You have to have at least two to three visits, just conversation alone. Does you have like, to have like a contract too, or something of the things that are permitted and not permitted? Or yeah. Sometimes, have, sometimes you do have a written contract. Other times it's a verbal contract. Um, but it is it, all it is is to make sure that you know exactly what the limits are with that person, what your limits are as a dom, and what um, what kind of work that you both can do together before you can actually do the work because you don't want to do something that's going to either make them uncomfortable or um, make them feel that you are pushing the limit too far. Um, you want to make sure that you're doing your job right. And you also want to make sure that they leave satisfied at the same time that you're meeting all those needs that you are, that you're, you're doing everything that they asked for. And there can be a lot of things that they ask for. Have I had sex with some of my clients? Of course I have had sex with some of my clients because that's part of the contract. Is it is it is it like like um what is this what is this movie oh my god I'm having oh the is it is it really like I swear I had my first I swear I got pregnant with the book I, I swear yeah. that's the reason why I got is it really like that is it you know is it well, it can be like that absolutely um, that sounds so fucking sexy <laughs> right I know doesn't it it is yeah. it, it's very very sexy um. A lot of it is just pushing the limits of the body, seeing what the body, seeing what your body can do. As a submissive, you are allowing to see yourself what your body can do, what your body can handle, what your psychology, what your own psychology can handle. You know where are your limits, and the dom is the the fast for that to see exactly how far you can go. And a lot of people think that the dom is the one that's in control of everything. And technically that's true because they are the ones that are conveying the whole experience for you. But a, a lot of the, like all the permission, all of the, all of the consent and all of the um, access to you is the sub. The sub has a lot of the ball mm. in their playing field because if it's not for the sub, there wouldn't be the whole experience. Am I right? No, yeah, because I like to get bitten, and yeah. in the moment, I don't think of how hard it is, and then I come up with all these bruises. It was funny when yeah. I was taking relax. I had to yeah. tell the lady, like, please do not judge me, please, <laughs> because it goes too far, and I don't realize it in the moment. But oh yeah, no, I'm the same with biting. I I love biting. I think mm -hmm. biting is one of the sexiest things. It's more animalistic. You know, mm -hmm. get dirty with it. And I'll have bruises all over my ass. And I'm like, when did this happen? Like, oh I can't even sit down. <laughs> Let's see. So if the sub says stop while you're in the middle of doing it, do you stop or keep going? Um, that's a great question. Um, there are safe words that because stop doesn't always mean stop depending on the person you're with. Um, and I want to make that very clear because sometimes when people ask for stop, they don't mean it. Um, there are safe words that you use. So you do have to come up with safe words. So if 
if they say stop, stop, please, no, no, that could be part of their game. That could be part of their of their role play, play right? role okay. playing. Um, but if they say come quad pumpernickel, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting sick and tired of this orgasm. If they have a word or a phrase that they say, that's when you stop the whole experience completely. That's where you break character because you have to, you know, you normally you don't break character while you're performing, but when someone has used their safe word, that's where you have to stop, break character, and you have to approach them. Don't touch them because they're they're experiencing a lot. You have to say, "Are you okay? What do you need? What can I do?" And then that's where you start having that conversation of, "Oh, you know, they like I need I need you to do this. I need you to do that." And then. Yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, okay, I'll untie you. I'll bring you down. I'll sit you down. You can take a breather. Is this a stop or is this a break? You know, oh, where, okay. are we, where are we going from here? And then it's up to the client of whether or not they want to have a rest or if they want to ch um, change avenues, if they want to stop completely. Um, but yes, if there is, if there is a, a legit, please stop. You have to stop. You can't. You can't continue forward because that. If you continue forward, then you're you're going against consent. And after you go against consent, then it's considered rape. Oh, so what would you advise, like for married couples, to like to spice it up? So we're talking about these different fetishes, mm -hmm. and obviously people that stay married longer, not necessarily, but I mean, you have to keep you have to keep it going. You have to keep it spicy. You have to keep mm -hmm. it. So for a beginner, mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend? Like, say I wanted to tell my husband, Hey, let's try some of these different things. What would you suggest? How, how would you suggest that I approach him with that? A great way to approach anybody with exploring sex, especially if it's a very physical type of sex. Um, I would say, Hey, I'm interested in bringing some toys in the room. You know, what are you comfortable with? Let's take a look at some toys. I have some ideas of toys because that's all it is. A lot of, a lot of the auxiliary things are toys. Um, then you can start off light. You can start off with vibrators, eggs, dildos. Um, and then you can go up to more of the restraints. You can go up to um, satin ropes, um, fuzzy handcuffs. You can do ball gags. Um, blindfolds, um, foot binders, um, anything that can cause a little bit of constraint. Um, even some of like the clothes aspects that you can bring into the sex. Like, hey, I'm thinking of spicing up the, the sex room with a little bit of like wardrobe play. You know, you want to start off light. You don't want to go balls to the wall. I'm going to cattle prod you. Into <laughs> so what, what's here? Frank is asking, what's the worst experience you've had? The in BDSM or bondage or just like sex in general. I wonder, I want to say the worst sex I've had. I've had some pretty bad sex. <laughs> Would you the say one from Walmart were... sounds interesting though? I know. Uh, BDSM, he said. BDSM. Um the worst BDSM experience I've had was when I was helping somebody. So I was part of I was I was helping a friend get ready for a party. And she was gonna have her own type of BDSM play. 
And she's like, I would really appreciate if you came and did my hair, you did my makeup and um, we're just kind of here, you know, just in case something went wrong. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll stay there and help out. And the guy comes in, the guy is butt fuck ugly. Like I don't mean mean or judgmental, but he is like God awful. Like, no, I don't know. I don't know how anybody would have sex with you, but I could see why you would end up here, you know? (laughs) So he shows up and she gets him ready and I'm just sitting on the couch. Um, playing on my phone and she starts, she starts her performance and every five to 10 minutes, she keeps turning to me and she's like, am I doing okay? What should I do different? Is this how you would do it? And I'm like, what are you doing? You you don't like, you don't break character like this in front of, you don't act like you, you have to have a professional air about yourself and you're breaking your professional air by stopping everything and then asking my, for my opinion, you know? And, and then eventually it got into, can you help me? Can you come over here and help? And I'm like, fine, sure. I'll help. So I go over there. I grab. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Right. I grab the, the, the paddle. And I let him know, hello, this is my name. I am Mr. Stoney. Are you comfortable with me and, you know, entertaining you tonight? And he says, yes. And I'm like, do you have a conversation with your mistress of what kind of limits that you have? He says, yes. And I'm like, do you have any limits that I should be aware of before we begin? He goes, uh, and he told me, no, he said that he didn't have any limits. I'm like, oh, you don't have any limits. Oh, so I'm sure you pressed the limits. So I was like, okay, well, we'll see how high your pain tolerance is. We'll see where your threshold is. So I fucking raised my hand and slapped that ass. <laughs> and he was tied up on a door and everything. And I say it's the worst experience that I've had for BDSM because it wasn't, it wasn't my show. And over time, trying to get her back involved she started distancing herself and moving away and away. And eventually it became my show and I didn't want the show to begin with. And, um, he, he was very responsive. He, he wasn't a bad sub. Um, he did cry a little, which I, you know, at first I, he didn't give me any safe words and I had to stop for a second and I was like, there, there has been no safe word said, are you all right? And he says, yeah, I'm fine. I'm yeah, I'm fine. I'm yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, okay. So I broke character for a second just because that part of the limit, I didn't know. So I went back to my, to my performance and um, tried to get her involved. And she just was not doing it. She was completely checking out. And eventually I had to end the session short because again, this is not my show. This isn't my, you know, this isn't my horse. I'm not riding you. So, you know, I hate to be the, you know, the bear, you know, I hate to be the party pooper, but I'm done. Right. I'm, so not, getting, I'm not getting, the, I'm not getting the $300. So this isn't my show. Oh, you, you didn't get oh, any so money for it? Give you a half of the cut. That wasn't even no. worth it then. No, not worth it at all. No. You're not friends anymore, right? 
No. Was that the uh, first time yeah. doing it? Were they scared? Was it and because that, they weren't attractive? That wasn't the first time that they were doing it before. Could have been that they weren't turned on at any point because I guess, you know, obviously. I feel like that could have been the thing. Um, I feel like that could have been something. And I tried talking to her about it and I was like, listen, I, you know, that was highly unprofessional of you. And it's very embarrassing for me as a professional to go in and do someone else's job. And I was only supposed to be there as, a, as a, an observant, an, obser an observer rather than a performer. And, you know, there's, there's, there's no excuse for that kind of behavior in a professional setting. Like well, I feel like I'm, snip, so it wasn't even worth you doing it. Right. Right. So what has um, been your best experience? My, the best experience was with actually my ex-boyfriend. Hmm, he was my best Yeah. He was my best um, he was actually the one that got me into the whole, um, subdom, uh, environment because he had a friend who his name was Mike and he taught me everything I know. He gave me a book. I read the whole book. He broke everything down and, um, really got me into the the actual culture of what it is rather than just like all like the flash and bangs of what people think it is. So, um, with my ex, one of my favorite sessions was when, um, I made a monkey fist out of rope and I got to whip him all over. Oh my goodness. Yep. I got to whip him all over with the monkey fist. And I got him to lay down on all four. First, he started him off on all fours, and I would I would whip his ass with it and get him to you know moan and to and to beg for more. And then I got him to lay down all on his back so I wouldn't hit anything important, you know, because that's the one thing you don't want to like you don't want the the ball to swing around too fast and then it nicks the nut sack and then that's just the end of all good, you know. <laughs> But I got him to lay all down, lay him down on his stomach, covering everything that's important, and then beat the crap out of him. And then um, I put a leash on him, led him around the room, and got him into the bathroom because that's where the linoleum's on the floor. And I was wearing my high heels, and I had a bottle of vodka in the bathroom. And I poured the vodka down my heel, down my boot heel, and made him lick it off my boot and the floor. Oh, I love it. I know. Fun. You're going to have to give us some lessons. We're I gonna was like, you're giving me some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. So we're going to have to pay you for a few private lessons. <laughs> so we're getting close to the end of the show. And I just want to thank both of you for being on. And especially Stoney for opening our minds to everything because I do have, I mean, I thought honestly that bondage and being submissive and dominant was totally different. Uh -huh. So I'm serious about the private lessons and oh yeah, you can, what, what, what I can learn to bring, bring so home the spice. Down. I am so down. <laughs> so next time you're we go so to good. Michigan, you'll have to go with us. You're so uh, close. Well, I'm in New York. Oh, oh, you're in better. New York. I'm in Rhode Even Island. Better. So that means I have to go to you guys because mm -hmm. she's in Rhode Island. You're in New York. Yep, we can get this done. 
We could yeah. make this happen. <laughs> so, all right. Well, wonderful. So, Liz, do you have any other questions for Stony or any final thoughts? No, thank you. This has been awesome. Yes, you. I mean, I've kind of explored a little, but you've given me some extra pointers that I'm kind of looking forward to. <laughs> so I appreciate oh. that. Thank you. So do you have any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? Um, when it comes to body hair, there are no stupid questions. When it comes to sex, there are no stupid questions either. Um, I feel that the most important thing is to be open-minded and to um, be open-mouthed and to always learn and always explore and always ask questions and be safe. Everyone needs to know that you have to practice safe sex no matter who you are, where you come from. There are things out there that are beyond your control and you should always, always, always practice safe sex. Wear protection, wrap, wrap it up, wear a condom. Wonderful. Well, I'm so glad you said that too because that is so important. I wanna thank everyone for watching. Thank my special guests, Liz and Stoney. And we'll see you next week um, on Monday, eight o'clock Texas time and nine o'clock standard time. You guys have a great evening and keep it in between the gray. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut.